someone to be around you. Someone to sit down and pour you short chew. But sometimes saying goodbye to familiar folks is the only way. Sometimes that's when you finally find your space. Welcome to the Japan Distilled Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in with us today. I'm your host, Christopher Pellegrini, recording in my booze pantry in Tokyo, Japan. And with me, as always, chiming in from Fukuoka, is my co host, Stephen Lyman. We're both certified shochu and awamori professionals, published authors, and we often have pretty decent disagreements about the best way to enjoy our shochu and awamori. Last time in our previous episode, I let Stephen have his way. We talked about cold services. And today, it's my turn. We're going to talk about hot pours. We've been exploring the wonderful world of Japanese spirits for a combined three decades or maybe even longer and are excited to share them with you through this podcast. Stephen, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Christopher. I'm excited about this episode because every time I talk to you about oyoari or the other hot service styles, I manage to learn something. Hmm. And I think, I think today will be no exception. Well, that's a little bit of pressure. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, it, this is just the way that I do it, really. I don't really do it any other way. As you know, and if you watch our show Tuesday live stream every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. in Japan, you'll notice behind me when I'm recording at home that there's a T-Fall electric kettle behind me. And basically, that's how I do it. I heat the water when the water is ready. I put it in the cup when the water hits the right temperature. And then I add the add my shochu, and that's how I drink it every day. Yeah. and I guess that sort of shows our priorities because my closest service center, the, the mini fridge in my office, is stocked with convenience store ice and and soda. <laughs> yep. and, and your closest reach is your is your kettle. So that's right. It's all about priorities. The sympathies are laid bare. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, last time we talked about cold serves, and if you haven't listened to that, please go ahead and do so. It's really important for us to talk about these things, of course, because as Stephen mentioned last week, this is kind of uh, a very diverse category, ranging from 20 to 45% ABV with all of these different ingredients, different types of distillation and koji and yeast strains and maturation styles. So it is an oddball. I mean, there are so many curveballs in this category it can be really difficult for the uninitiated to figure out how to try it first. So that's why we're doing this. Uh, but before we dive in, if you have been enjoying the show, then please tell like-minded folks about the Japan Distilled Podcast. As always, those ratings, those reviews are really helpful. They put massive smiles on our faces. And importantly, they bring new listeners into the fold. That's right. And something that's been interesting, I think, some of you have been listening to us mm -hmm. and actually taking our advice and telling your friends about the show because I'm getting more and more comments and messages from people who are saying, love the show, never tried shochu or never tried awamori, but really looking forward to it. So I think it, when you and I started this project, that was essentially our goal, right? We wanted to grow knowledge and interest in Japanese spirits. And right. it seems like we're starting to do that. We're starting to get some traction. It's exciting. Yeah. We just wanted to lay a foundation of information that people could come back to just to get the basics. And I think we're getting kind of towards the end of what is could perhaps be called the first season of this podcast, where we're really just working on foundational material. And moving forward, we're going to get more and more 
we're going to dive deeper. We're going to get more niche. We're going to focus more on more isolated elements of these drinks, maybe even talking about specific brands at some points mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or specific distilleries and how they do their craft. But for now, we're still painting with very broad strokes. And I, I think that's, uh, well, I hope that that's helpful. And today, of course, it's hot, warm show to we're bringing the heat. And I still remember the first time that I had shoju that was served oyuari to me. Oyuari is, of course, the word for uh, hot water mix. Oyu is hot water. Wadi is mixed. So oyuari. And the first time I tried it was in Kyushu. And I was at an izakaya by myself. And as often happens, someone was surprised that I was drinking shochu and they started up a conversation. And this was very early in my journey. And they said, well, you know, down here, if you want to do it proper, if you want to do it old school, then we drink oyuari. And that was my first introduction to it. And I think I had a sweet potato shochu with hot water mixed at about 60% shochu and 40% hot water. So we would call that a 6-4 mm -hmm. mix mm -hmm. in Japan. It's basically three parts to two parts. And pretty standard. It was popularized many years ago by the sweet potato shochu industry, uh, the 6-4. But I think that's how I first tried it. How about you? Yeah, I was actually in the same izakaya several months later uh, as where I had discovered shochu originally, which was izakaya 10 uh, right. in the Chelsea neighborhood of Manhattan. And it got cold and it was a bitter, bitter cold night. And the Japanese staff were like, if you're cold, why are you drinking your shochu on the rocks? You should try it with hot water. And they brought out a hot water set, taught me how to do it. And I believe my first hot water shochu was Sato Kuro. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> it's a brand we don't talk too much about on the show, but it's a really, really lovely black koji sweet potato shochu from Kagoshima. And even today, that's my preferred service for that specific brand. That's a hell of an introduction. Isn't it? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> kind of hard to... <laughs> it's all downhill from there. Right, <laughs> Jeez. Right. That's such yeah. a lovely drink. It really is. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. So, I mean, there is certainly when thinking about drinks from Japan, and of course, we're talking sake, there is a tradition of heating sake. Mm -hmm. Maybe you heard the word atsukan. There's all sorts of different temperatures at which some styles of sake can be warmed. I wouldn't necessarily do that with a daiginjo, but maybe some of them will work. But sake with lower polishing ratios, definitely a lot of that has the body to stand up to some heat and will develop really nicely. The sweetness, the sweet notes will come out and reveal themselves. Mm -hmm. It's it's a lovely style. I didn't like it. That's how I first drank sake in the States and it was horrible, the stuff I was served. So when I first came to Japan and I, I specifically asked, how do you drink it in Japan? And, and at this cheap izakaya that I was at, he was like, well, basically all the sake we have is intended for cold serve. So I was like, fine, I will drink it that way. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad I did. <laughs> but for, for the, and the, you know, for shochu, it's, it's a little different though, I think. I think you're right at, at a higher proof. I mean, you could, you could heat shochu directly. And I think we will get to a very specific style in which that is done, but that's a little bit strong, right? Higher proof, mm -hmm. you know, uh, heating it directly could be a little bit overpowering just drinking it straight hot. Although I do know a couple of old Japanese men in New York City, and that's their preferred way. They want you to put it in the little the little tumbler, the tokuri, you know, and drop it in the 
hot sake bath. Oh yeah. And, and that's how they want their hot shochu. Yeah. There you go. Just don't heat it too much. Cause you're going to evaporate the alcohol, but yeah, I mean, there is certainly a place for that. Sure. Sure. I guess maybe for a little bit of context. And it was funny, we didn't really have this kind of context with the cold service uh, episode. And I think what I'm about to explain will show you why that's not, uh, there is, isn't really historical context for the cold serve. And that's that uh, there's a pretty predominant traditional sensibility throughout Asia that you should drink hot things, uh, whether it's hot tea or hot sake or that sort of thing. You know, soups are hot. Uh, there's almost a sense from a traditional Eastern medicine perspective that drinking cold things can actually be damaging to your health. Mm -hmm. And that was a pervasive idea for a long, long time. And it's still true today. I know some people, I mean, you very rarely, when you ask for uh, water in in a Japanese restaurant or izakaya, you're not going to get ice in it. It's going to be just water, right? Uh, or the, or because you're foreign, they might ask you because they think you might expect to have ice in it. But it's exceptional to actually receive ice in your water in Japan, uh, at least in those sort of more traditional places, right? I think in more like in Western restaurants, places like that, you'll get it. But um, in you know traditional izakaya and those those sorts of places, you're very not you're very likely not to get ice in your water glass if you can even convince them to bring you water, right? But anyway, that's probably going a little bit too long about that particular point. But the other thing is, if you think about going back to the old days when shochu was being made by farmers in the countryside, the water didn't have the sanitation qualities that it does today. And even if they were drinking from local spring sources, and that sort of thing, there could still be some health risk to drinking water that hadn't been uh, purified in some way. And boiling water, obviously, is a very good way to kill any organisms that might be uh, living in it to make it safe to drink. And if you're used to drinking hot tea, then why wouldn't you just put some hot water into your, into your shochu as well? That's sort of, again, as we said many times on the show, there's no written evidence of any of this because right. these were illiterate peasants, you know, uh, living under the, the shogun. But uh, that would be my supposition, is that that's sort of how Oyuwadi as a style arose historically. And this was obviously before ice came to Japan. Yeah. And there was something to that logic because it is damn good when you mix these drinks with hot water in or with heat generally. It really is. Yeah. You know, there's something about that single distilled spirit with light filtration. It's just, just shines Oyuwadi. It does. And it's, it's my knee jerk reaction to most every new shoju that I approach. I'm going to crack the bottle, smell it and immediately start to think, okay, how is this going to work with a little bit of hot water? So as I mentioned at the top of the show, you know, you're my, <laughs> my Oyuwadi sensei, right? So how, <laughs> how would you make a proper Oyuwadi? What's your, when you're going to make like your perfect pour for an Oyuwadi shochu, what are you doing? It really comes down to temperature. It's much like when you get really nerdy about how much to or how high to heat your sake if you're doing an atsukan and there's all sorts of different names for every different you know every couple of degrees up the celsius scale that you go there's another name for it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and while we don't have that level of labeling in the shochu world it is important to consider exactly what the temperature of the hot water is when the shochu is added to it. And this is important to realize 
that the shochu is added second, or I believe that's the best way to do it. You don't add the shochu to the glass first. Mm-hmm. You want to make sure that you've cooled the hot water down to the perfect point before the shochu meets it. And you have to take a lot of things into consideration. Number one is, of course, the heat of the water, that duh. But then also, what's the ambient temperature in the room? Because that's going to be the temperature of your your glass or your cup. Mm -hmm. And you need to think about how long is it going to take the hot water once it's in that cup to get down into the range that you think is going to be perfect. And there's some mathematics here. I can give you a formula that you can use if you do math in your head to try and hit exactly, you know, if you want your, your Oyuari to be 45 degrees Celsius, I'm sorry for the Celsius, but that's the way I think now, 45 degrees Celsius in the cup when you're ready to drink it, then, you know, you're going to want to start with your hot water above 70 degrees Celsius, probably. Now, for me personally, I often experience situations when I go out to Izakaya and I ask for an oyuari and they mix it too hot. Mm-hmm. The water's too hot when the shochu get, goes in there and it scalds. It sometimes almost, it roasts the flavors. It does. It, it, yep. it burns them. And I don't like it. And it annoys me. And that's often my way to, I know a lot of people will go into a, a cocktail bar and they have a go-to drink that they order. Maybe it's a Manhattan or something just to see you know, if they can mix a proper Manhattan, then maybe you're safe to stay there for a, another drink or two. And if not, then you might as well move on. Sure. Um, I think Oyuadi is a good litmus test for me just to see if they know what they're doing or they care enough to, and be, to be patient enough to make one properly. And it takes a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. So what I'm often going for when I make a Oyuadi at home is I'm waiting for the, the hot water to get down to between 62 to 68 degrees in that range, depending on the shochu that I'm going to use. And I've gotten to the point where I can, depending on the the type of vessel, I can put my hand on the outside and hold on to it. And I know that when, when I can't hold on to it for at least four seconds before it burns my hand, then I know it's too hot. <laughs> and then if I can hold on to it for longer than five seconds or five or six seconds, then it's too cool. Do you know what I mean? It's dropped down below 60. It's into the 50s now. Uh, so you're, you're that specific. I am that specific with it. So yeah. Now, can, can we take just, just a pause because I want to yeah. help people with some math. So Christopher's shooting for <laughs> 45 degrees Celsius, which is 113 degrees Fahrenheit. He, hmm. He's starting out with... Uh, water around 70 degrees Celsius, I think you said. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's the ceiling in my personal opinion. Yeah. And that's 158 degrees Fahrenheit. Okay. Yeah. And then you were saying you, you're you shooting for 62 to 68 degrees when it goes in the glass. Is that right? Yeah. That's when the shochu hits the yep. hot water. And so that's uh, 144 to 154 degrees Fahrenheit. Just just for those of you at home, <laughs> we'll put this in the show notes. For those in, that's very, very helpful. That's um, right. Yeah. So, and I, I know that I'm being a little bit too specific here, but I think it is important. And you'll find if you start getting into Oyuari Shochu serves that every brand deserves a slightly different approach. And ratios also are very important here. Mm-hmm. So it's an art. It really is. You have to factor in the ABV, you have to figure in the innate bitterness and sweetness of the shochu that you're 
you're attempting to use. You have to just think about what you want to enjoy. Are you going for something that's a little sweeter? Are you, do you want to keep that bitterness? Um, which is a little harder when you're doing an oyuari, to be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. And then you need to just have the, the patience and also the attention. Don't, don't forget about your cup of hot water on the counter that, because if you leave it for too long, it gets too cool and then you're not going to have a good oyuari. You have to pay attention. If you have a thermometer that you can dunk in there, that's great. Or if you have one of those digital uh, infrared ones, then that's also really helpful. And you can create something that's really, really satisfying. And again, something that's not going to get you all loopy after a couple of them, because yeah, you are knocking, much like a Mizuari, you're knocking the ABV down into wine territory. Mm-hmm. That's, that's true. And it may sound like Christopher's being extremely particular about how he makes his Oyuari, but it's worth the effort because I always enjoy an Oyuari Shochu more when he's made it for me, mm-hmm. than when I've made it myself or I've relied on somebody else to make it. And I completely agree with you about uh, how it's a great way to judge an izakaya, that if they're going to take the time to make it right, you know you're someplace you can stay and enjoy yourself. Otherwise, you may just be getting a bottle and doing your own Oyuari set. Right? Yeah. Something you can do in Japan. I think that's uh, true. Like we talked about the Mizuwari or Sodawari set last last time. But uh, if you're going to drink it hot, then you just ask for the Oyuari set. It'll bring you, it'll bring you the, the warm kettle of, of water. But this also shows you a key difference between Christopher and I. Because when Christopher goes into an izakaya, he judges it by the quality of their Oyuari pour. And I judge it by the quality of the potato salad. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's valid. I could totally sympathize with that. Yeah, potato so, salad is something. It's it it's omnipresent in Japan, so you, you got to check that out too. It is, yeah, and you can pretty quickly tell if they take their. Basically, that's how you judge the chef. If he takes his potato salad seriously, he goes a little bit extra, uh, you know, and, and does it right. Then then you know you're in a place you're going to enjoy a lot of the dishes. But um, how about serviceware? What are you usually drinking your oyuari in? Uh, at home, I almost always drink it out of some ceramic ware that I have. There's a number of ceramics traditions, pottery traditions, well, all across Japan, really, but some really good ones down in Kyushu. Miyama is the one that's in Kagoshima Prefecture, but they have they actually have a what's known as a black satsuma pottery style, and then they have a white satsuma pottery style that are both unbelievable in their own rights. They're very different. And then moving up north, there's other styles that really complement the drinks that are made in those regions. And those are the types of pieces that I enjoy searching out. I love to buy them one at a time, bring them home. I have a really haphazardly assembled. I don't think I have two of anything at this point, (laughs) but it's fun to just think about, okay, I think today I want to use this guy um, that is made, you know, near the, near Sakurajima. It's super, a really interesting type of clay and, and really esoteric shape. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I usually do that when I'm drinking at home, but if you're down in Kagoshima, then they do have a somewhat standardized small cup for Oyuari and you probably have a couple of these at home. It's those, I don't how, how big would you say those, they're made of glass. How big would you say they are? Maybe a hundred ML. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And they vary a little bit in size, but sure. It's around a hundred. Yeah, and those are fun. those are nice to use. It tends to be a much smaller pour, which, at the end of the day, is probably a wise thing. But they're nice because they 
they tend to have markers on them that are screen printed on onto them so they can help you to measure exactly what ratio you want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And obviously that's very important. If you have a higher proof shochu, you're going to want to lower the ratio in favor of the, you know, to the detriment of the shochu and in favor of the hot water. So, but if you've got a standard 25% alcohol shochu or, well, awamori sometimes can be very nice with hot water as well, then you're going to maybe go 50-50 or slightly heavier on the shochu side, or at least that's the way I normally do it. But I think a good starting point is just go one-to-one, go 50-50. I think, I think that's true. And I, I, I probably do a 6-4 or a 5-5 most of the time. Yeah. Uh, at least when I'm drinking standard. 25% uh, shochu with hot water. It, do you ever do uh, maiwari? Yeah, maiwari is great, isn't it? Yeah, it I think that's a fantastic way to enjoy shochu. And I think it's the way that I would prefer it if I was going to be heating it more like an atsukang type of sake. You know what I mean? Where you're putting it in the in the tin can and then you're heating it in the hot water bath, I think Mayawadi is really good for that. And the more common style that we see for shochu anyway, and Kyushu especially, is putting it in a shochu kettle and then putting the Mayawadi kettle on an open flame and mm-hmm. heating it that way. And that's a lovely way to enjoy shochu, with, especially with another person and you're pouring into very small cups. It's com- communal. It's, a, it's great for conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy that way as well. Yeah. And, and for those of you unfamiliar, maiwadi is actually where you dilute the shochu with water, uh, usually about 50 50. Am I yeah, right? Yeah. That's how I do it at home. Yeah. And then you basically let it rest for what, 24, 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll obviously keep, it's just going to be diluted. But there's actually a chemical reaction that changes how it tastes compared to what it would taste like if you did an oyuwadi at the moment where you mix the shochu and the, and the water, the hot water together. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you're t- going to serve it, the maiwadi really mellows it out, rounds things out. Really, really delicious uh, service style for sure. I mean, I owe to the fact that I, <laughs> I tend to enjoy my shochu on the cold side. I will sometimes pour my maiwadi over ice, uh, which I'm sure sounds sacrilegious to some oyuwadi fans. Ah, no, well, I mean that I I can totally see that it's it's a beautiful style, mm-hmm. and I think that. If you, one way to know that you're, you have access to Maiwadi in a good izakaya or a good shochu bar is they'll sometimes have those uh, shochu, what are called, they're called shochu servers in Japan. And they just use the shochu saba. And it's often a big piece of pottery with a spigot at the bottom. And those will be often on the counter on display. They're pretty, they're often quite large they can often hold a couple at least a couple of liters of shochu but what most often is the case is they're holding maiwadi so you're getting essentially a bottle of shochu in there plus a bottle of water and it's had time to mix mingle fuse and become something that is greater than the sum of the parts and just pouring that out into a cup you could you can drink it on the rocks but it is really nice with heat Mm-hmm. So I would recommend pouring that into a kettle, a shochu kettle, one of those black little black pots with the f- kind of semi, semi, what are they? They're like quite flat on the bottom. 
they're really, really wide, um, but there's not a lot of distance between the bottom of the kettle and the top of the kettle. And so you just put one of those on a little burner and then wait a couple of minutes for it to heat up a bit and then enjoy. Just pour it into small cups and uh, really, really lovely way to enjoy the spirit. It is. It is for sure. And again, like Christopher said, communal, which is always nice. The nice thing about drinking in Japan is the community that comes or comes along with it. Mm. What styles of shochu do you think shine best Oyuwari? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think it often comes down to the specific brand that you're talking about. You can have a number of sweet potato shochu, for instance, by the same maker, and some of them play better Oyuwari or with heat than they do than others do within the same lineup made in the same distillery. I, it can often come down to the the strain of sweet potato. It often, but many times it's just how they made it. It's the production process. And I think a lot of the time when you're talking about sweet potato shochu, at least the traditional stuff, you can just assume that it'll work on some level with hot water because I think that's how it was made. They intended it to be consumed that way at least a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And then you have other styles that can be surprisingly good with hot water. For instance, probably the first thing that comes to mind when talking about kokuto sugar shochu is not oyuari. I think probably most people assume that, well, it's kokuto sugar shochu. It has some rum-like stuff going on, so we're going to be thinking cold. And I think you'd be right a lot of the time. But I've also found that, for instance, our favorite um, ichibanbashi mm -hmm. works so well with hot water that I actually don't drink it any other way, even though it works a number of different ways. Right. Um, so what I think you're looking for is a depth and complexity of flavor that's going to play differently at different temperatures as the drink cools. Mm -hmm. And it's fun. It's really enjoyable to witness the drink evolve as the temperature comes back down to earth. So what I'm looking for in terms of, if I think about what really works with Oyuwari with an Oyuwari serve, I'm just going to say anything that isn't by itself already too sweet. Hmm. Does that make sense? I think so. Yeah. So it could be a white koji. It could be a black koji. A lot of stuff is going to kind of work. Some, some of it will be better than others, but I think you can give it a shot with most. What, what about you? What's your experience? Yeah. I mean, certainly the atmospheric distilled sweet potato white and black koji it's it's really flexible that way and then i really really enjoy uh the atmospheric distilled rice and barley shochus yeah good call which are often just so rich and so deep in flavor along the spectrum of ichibambashi in the kokuto right. world something like mushigaishi something like uh uh kanehachi on the barley side right, right? those those are just beautiful beautifully expressed with with hot water so um but vacuum is kind of out right There's yeah really I, I would say just don't bother in most cases sometimes it works some it can mm -hmm. work mm -hmm. maybe with a with a higher proof vacuum maybe like a maybe a 30 percent for me it's just how much of a botanical how much of a, a tropical feel does the drink have and a lot of the vacuum distilled rice shochu and a lot of the vacuum distilled barley shochu tends to get very fruity mm, true it gets a lot of banana it gets a lot of um 
honeydew and other types of melons and stone fruit and that sort of thing. And I don't like how that blares when you add heat to it. Mm. it. It can be done, but you have to be super careful. And I, while I have a lot of patience when making an oyuari, I don't have patience for figuring out the exact correct ratio and the correct temperature for a lot of mm-hmm. those drinks. They're just so sure. good with, they're so good on the rocks that, yep. you know, why bother? They, the, the Japanese language has adopted a word, the word almighty. Mm-hmm. And it's, <laughs> it, that when used in the context of shochu means that it can be served almost any way and, and still be really good. Mm-hmm. And most, most shochu are not almighty, um, right. I think is probably the way to put it. They tend to sh- shine a little bit better one way ra- at the expense of another. And sometimes it is a question of heat versus cold. Mm-hmm. Um, now, as I said, Ichiban Bashi, I think that is Orumaiti. As, mm-hmm. as it would be pronounced in Japan. It is, it is really good with inamizuari or rocks preparation. And it is really good oyuari. Mm-hmm. And it is really good with bubbles. So, um, but I would say the majority of brands out there are not. They're not going to be that two-way player. Um, right. Not so, so flexible. Yeah. They don't have all five of the tools. You know, sure. If we're, ta- or the, if we're talking about baseball. <laughs> <laughs> and- five skills. You could do a yellow koji sweet potato. Am I right? With, with Oyuari? That would still play well? I, yeah, that's a good question. The two that I'm thinking of right now, one is umi, which is made by Taikai. And then the other is, um, we mentioned it, mentioned it in the previous episode, the Tomino Hozan. Mm-hmm. Those, I have tried them Oyuari and they were not offensive, but they also did not shine. I don't <laughs> think that's the best way to go about it. Sure. So. How about something like Manzenon? Manzenon, I have also tried, and that was similarly inoffensive. Um, I think it does work, but I it just gets a little bit too floral for my personal tastes. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah I guess it's, this will be the fun for for the listeners as they can go explore and and test this out and see what brands they like, Oyuari, uh, or otherwise. And then I guess the other style that we haven't touched on yet is uh, barrel aged shochu. Oh, right. How about the barreled stuff? What do you think of that? I normally wouldn't go there. Mm-hmm. I know that you can, though. And I have had some barrel-aged shochu with heat that actually was perfectly fine. But I just don't think it's quite... It's not normally quite as good as having it over rocks or with bubbles. I think a, a highball is a really easy play with those drinks. And I also mm-hmm. enjoy sipping them straight or neat. So I think I almost would feel like it's a little bit of a waste. Mm. Um, sometimes the heat brings out a little bit too much of the wood, and that's not always a good thing. That's fair. Yeah, I'm thinking about the barrel-aged brands that I think could play well with hot water, and that I haven't necessarily tried them, but I think maybe something like Hyakunen no Kodoku, because it still yeah. has so much of the barley right, right. In the profile. Yeah, and I think that's what you're going to want. You're going to want to be able to definitely clearly identify the main ingredient in on the nose when you open the bottle if it's very clear like okay yes this has a little bit of color but i can still tell oh that's absolutely a barley shochu Mm -hmm. if that's evident then you you're gonna have some more flexibility i think when you're mixing it any which way uh you'll definitely have that flexibility when preparing an oyuari serve it'll Mm -hmm. just be a question of at what temperature does the barley 
get misshapen and the woods start to take over a little bit too much. Sure, sure. I guess this line of discussion actually has me thinking about the fact that hot spirits drinks have really sort of fallen out of favor Mm -hmm. in the West. You're right. You know, the hot toddy was what your grandmother gave you to to cure your cold or whatever, you know, Uh Um, and that sort of thing. But it's not really something people were enjoying in bars. Uh, or restaurants, you know, in in the recent past You're or right. even currently. But mm. I think there is an opportunity. And I mean, hot scotch was a thing, right? Uh, that that used to be a, a style that people would drink. So I think there is the opportunity uh, to bring back hot hot drinks. I think for me, this is sort of more, I guess, my my own limitation is I tend to get warm easily. I think it's probably because I grew up in Florida in hot climates. And I think I'm more acclimated to heat. And so when I drink Oyuwadi, I can't session it. I just end up boiling like in the izakaya. Well, yeah. So yeah, fair um, enough. And then, you know, you're, you've got generally cold hands. (laughs) So I do. I growing up in Vermont, you're the opposite. (laughs) Yeah. I unfortunately have brought that part of my biology with me to Japan. And I still tend to have poor circulation, at least at my extremities. Um, but I guess I'm keeping everything centralized for efficiency's sake. But yeah, I don't know. I, it, it was really interesting because the first time I tried Oyuari, I did it just to, just because I was told that was the traditional way to do it. And I wanted to experience it in that sense. But I don't think I was really drawn to it until I tried it the, the fourth, fifth, sixth time. And then it really got me. I started to understand why people still drink it that way, even though there are all of these newer, these more exciting ways like the the sodawari and, and um, other styles of service that are very common in izakaya today. I, I do certainly get it. Um, but how about you? What warm styles do you gravitate towards? What Which ones speak to you? Yeah, I, I don't have your patience for building a a perfect oyuwadi. <laughs> I will do it at home if it's if it's chilly in the apartment in winter. I'll 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 do that. I'll have one or two, and then I'm back to either on the rocks or maybe. What I will do, uh, I guess, to mitigate temperature, because I don't want something cold in the winter, is I'll just I'll make a mizuwadi with no ice, uh, okay. as an alternative, just to keep something around room temperature, so I'm not actually getting chilled. Um, but I do like my wadi, uh, and I enjoy going to izakaya that have it. And then having the little kettle and being able to serve it. That's, that's always a lot of fun. Yeah. But a style that really, uh, I love. And when I'm, when I have the patience, this is sort of my treat is I'll do something called kanoku. Oh, yeah. Kan, of course, is from Atsukan, right? The heated side of it. And then noku is rocks. And I learned this actually from a shochu maker in Kumamoto. And what you do is you heat the shochu Atsukan. So you're heating the shochu directly in a tokuri, in a little carafe, and then you're pouring it over a big ball of ice. And it's lovely. It's a really, really nice way of drinking it. You get yeah. the the really warm, rich, sweet aromas and flavors that you get from an oyuwari shochu. But then that's the sort of the shock of the chill of the ice. But yeah. it's, it's like it's they're all together. And when you do that with an atmospheric distilled barley, rice, or sweet potato shochu, it can be a really, really beautiful drink. But it takes a lot of work, and most places have never heard of it. 
No, yeah, that's <laughs> really is a Kumamoto specialty, isn't it? I mean, if if you go into even really good shochu focused izakaya or bars and ask for a kan roku, though, it's kind of a record scratch. Mm-hmm. A little bit like my choi mizu, right? Which is yeah. a little bit of cold water. So it's not exactly on the rocks and it's not exactly mizuwadi. It's like a 90-10 pour, right? 90% shochu. Or you, maybe even 95-5. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Just a dollop or two. Just a little bit of cold water to take the edge off of the alcohol. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, awesome. So that's a wrap on the hot serves shochu episode. And there's not quite as much diversity on this side of things. If, But if you're into it, you'll, you'll get really into it. It's like anything else. It's maybe not going to be for everyone. It's kind of an acquired taste, but oyuwari and other hot serves are one of those things that once you get into it, there's really no turning back. It's like anything else. You know, it's like hoppy beers. It's like super peated whiskey. It's a, there's a learning curve. But once you really get a craving for the expressiveness of an Oyuari serve, you'll be thinking about it all the time, uh, even in the summer. I mean, it's the hot, humid summer months of Japan. And I'm still, every time I'm drinking shochu, I'm drinking it Oyuari. And that's true all year long. So hopefully this helped to demystify some of the different ways you can enjoy shochu teamed with the previous podcast. You've got pretty much all of the major serves and you even got Stephen mentioning Choimizu this time. That should have been in the previous episode, but hey. It should have been. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that might deserve its own episode. (laughs) Maybe it should. Well, when we go deeper in season two, maybe we we do uh, look at some of the more niche serving styles. But Thank you once again, everybody, for listening in. And it, if you'd like to learn more about Shochu and Awamori, then you should definitely pick up a copy of Stephen's book, The Complete Guide to Japanese Drinks, which is, of course, available on Amazon and other online retailers. But you should also be able to find it at finer bookshops around the world. You can find me at Chris Pellegrini on Twitter and at Christopher Pellegrini on Instagram. Uh, Stephen, where can everyone find you? You can find me at Japan Distilled on both Twitter and Instagram. And uh, yeah, try Oyuari Shochu following Christopher's instructions. Mm. And let us know what you think of it if you haven't tried it before. And certainly pick up Christopher's book, The Shochu Handbook, to learn more about these service styles. I think, Christopher, we might need to get you to do an explainer video to put on our YouTube channel about how to make one of these. Yeah, I think you're right. That'll have to happen soon. It'll be a long video though. There's like a good six or seven minute wait as you, <laughs> as you contemplate life while the, <laughs> the shoju is cooling. But yeah, uh, maybe, well, I guess maybe we can, we can fast have, forward that part. Maybe have the, have a good editor figure it out for us to make it entertaining. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> so just, maybe you can build a drink in the background, like on one of our previous episodes. Yeah. What just otherwise just people watching Christopher hold a ceramic until it's uh, comfortable to the touch. Until and, uh, it's <laughs> stop scalding his hand. Yeah. <laughs> Well, excellent. Thank you very much, everybody. And we'll be back in your feed again soon. Until that time, stay safe, stay happy, drink slowly, drink honkaku. And from both of us here in Japan, a very hearty and heartfelt kanpai. Kanpai. Ta-da.
We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Distilled Podcast. This has been Christopher Pellegrini with my co host Stephen Lyman. Our theme song is Begin Anywhere by the very talented Tomoko Miyata. Audio engineering by the incomparable Rich Pav, who also edits the fantastic Uncanny Japan podcast with Teresa Matsuura. Please give that a listen as well if you're interested in Japanese fables and ghost stories. Thank you.